Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise, all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we have another listener suggestion. I know i got to come up with something different there because that's getting kind of boring. Anyways, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours. So choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say house? That will be a single shot, and every time I say black or monk, that's going to be a double shot. Oh, now you got to really listen hard for it. All right, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. So grab your best ghost detection equipment and put on your Sherlock Holmes sleuthing skills as we dive into today's offering of the mysterious and sinister case of the black monk. Woohoo. Now see, I'm wondering, is black one shot and then monk is a double shot? So do you get double shot, double shot? Okay, I say double shot, double shot. But you guys play how you want. Okay, never mind. Hauntings and poltergeist activity are nothing new, and the lore of paranormal research holds countless examples. But every once in a while, a case will truly bubble up from the rest to present an extremely strange and strong account. Lying within the country of England is an unassuming, normal-looking house, which nevertheless has managed to go on to accrue a reputation as one of the most haunted locations in the nation. 
Here at this abode, we have a rather volatile, frightening, and violent entity that has come to be known simply as the Black Monk. Double shot, double shot. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to stop doing that now, even though it's funny. The year was 1966. Oh, I know. Float off and start playing some of the 60s music in your head. Okay, the year was 66. And a family consisting of Jean and Joe Pritchard and their two children, Philip, 15, and Diane, 12, moved into a quiet house on 30 East Drive in Pontefract, West Yorkshire, England. It was not long after they had settled in that strange things began to happen around the home, starting as these things tend to, rather innocently enough. The first main incident started on September 1st, 1966, when the son Philip was staying at the home with his grandmother, Sarah Scholes, while the rest of the family was away on a trip to Devon. I'm going to say, how did he get to stay home and the rest of the family went on vacation? Or maybe he said, why did he have to stay home when they went on vacation? Maybe he wanted to go. I don't know. Either way, he was home with Grandma. Okay. One day, they felt a strange gust of cold wind pass through despite the summer heat. Shortly after which, they witnessed what seemed to be a white powder or mist snowing down from the ceiling as the sounds of footsteps echoed from above. When they went to investigate, along with Shoal's sister, Marie Kelly, they were found to be inexplicable pools of water spreading on the floor of the kitchen, and even as they stared at this new development, that bumping noise continued from the next floor up, and that dust rained down upon them. At the time, it was thought that the water was merely the result of a broken pipe, and a repairman from the water company was called in to take a look. However, after a thorough inspection of the kitchen, there was found to be no sign of anything amiss, and the repairman had no idea of where the water could be coming from, even as it seemed to pull up even more as he was there. The pools would eventually stop, but everyone present was left completely baffled as to what was going on. Later that same evening, the pools began to form again from nowhere, and this time, this phenomena was joined by a violent, jolting, rattling of various cutlery and pots and pans around the kitchen. In addition to this, the whole area was sprayed with tea as some unseen force repeatedly depressed the button on the tea dispenser with great force and increasing speed. Guess he wanted a cup of tea. I'm just saying, I want a cup of sometimes too. I'm just saying. The cupboards and furniture of the kitchen also began to vibrate and move about without explanation or apparent cause. This was all followed by a thunderous bang from the outside hallway, but when they looked to see what it could be, nothing was there, even though the hallway light began to turn on and off by itself, even as they surveyed it. It was further noticed that a plant that was normally positioned at the foot of the stairs was now inexplicably sitting at the top of the stairs, and neither of them had moved it. I'm just going to pause for a second and say that's a lot of activity to be going on, and there's only two people in the house. And I'm just going to say this just shows why I love the people of the UK so much, because they are so resolved that they are not scared of anything. 
They're like, nah, that doesn't scare me. Shit flying around. Nope, not gonna scare me. Nope, I'm just gonna have my tea. Screw you guys. Okay, back to the story. I'm sorry. As they examined the hall, the crockery and cupboards in the kitchen began to vibrate again with greater vigor. And Kelly was once again brought over to observe the frightening show for herself. The activity once again died down. But when a heavy chest of drawers began to sway on its own volition later that night, both Philip and his grandmother packed a few things and headed to a neighbor's house for the night, terrified of what was going on. Aha, so heavy, heavy chest of drawers begins to move by itself. That's what scares them. I'm just saying I would have been long gone. (laughs) I'm just saying. All right. Interestingly, by the time the rest of the family returned from their trip, the strange phenomena seemed to have stopped. At the time, they all thought that there had to be some normal explanation for what had happened, especially as there were no further disturbances. Indeed, it would not be for another two years that anything else out of the ordinary would happen on the premises. But when it did, it did so with a vengeance. The long period of silence made it all the more shocking when pools of water started forming again all over the house. Furniture was moved or rattled on its own. Odd green foam would seep out of water taps. Loud thuds and bangs would sound out from all over the house. Doors would slam open or shut by themselves. And more ominously, family portraits and furniture would be found demolished or slashed and disfigured as if with a knife. There were also unidentified sickening odors that would waft through the home, as well as anomalous noises including heavy breathing and oddly the sound of barnyard animals. Such things happened nearly every day, and it all became so commonplace that the family took to calling the invisible entity Fred, putting an innocuous nickname to the faceless and gradually threatening intruder. All of this steadily graduated in intensity, with things being smashed or broken by unseen hands or objects flying across the room even in the presence of guests. Indeed, whenever people came over, the phenomena seemed to actually get worse and more violent, and this apparently even happened in the presence of local police officers and the town vicar, leaving everyone dumbfounded and authorities unable to find any rational explanation. In particular, Diane seemed to be targeted, often waking up to the sound of heavy breathing or undefined voices in her ears, and there were times when she was allegedly downright physically assaulted by the entity, such as being pushed, having her hair pulled, and even on several occasions being dragged across the room. The entity was not above lashing out at others as well, and reports of being held down, pushed, slapped, or punched by the specter were common, even from those just visiting. The phenomena seemed to work in cycles, with times when this would happen on a daily basis interspersed with long absences, sometimes for weeks at a time. But return, it always did. In the face of the escalating malevolent activity, the Pritchard family reached out to the church for help, and there were several exorcisms performed on the house, all of which seemed to just make the spirit even angrier. I'm just going to say, after two times trying an exorcist, and it just makes them angrier, I say stop doing that shit, (laughs) because, you know, I'm just saying. Okay, alright, I know I'm saying what you guys are 
are thinking, but you know, I can't help myself. During these attempted exorcisms, crucifixes were supposedly knocked out of, out of hands or smashed to pieces, and inverted crosses were sometimes found painted or scrawled upon the walls in red and black ink, neither of which were kept in the house. In one particularly frightening incident, an invisible force picked up a candlestick and held it in front of the priest's face, which was enough to send the man of the cloth running away to never come back. In addition to this, the malicious spirit began to make itself known and visible as a full apparition. At first, these visitations took the form of Jean and Joe waking in the middle of the night to see a dark shape standing at the foot of their bed staring at them, which would then blink out of existence. On another occasion, Joe claimed to have awoken to see a figure in flowing black robes hovering over his bed. This strange entity was more often than not described this way, as dressed in black robes and with a hood covering his face, not unlike what a medieval monk might wear and which would earn the wraith the nickname the Black Monk. Before long, the Black Monk was seen lurking about by everyone in the family and was even claimed to have been spotted prowling the property by neighbors and other locals. To make it all even creepier, the phantom would sometimes change things up by appearing wearing woman's fur gloves. Through this all, it seemed to still have it in for the daughter Diane, and its attacks on her grew in ferocity. The girl would sometimes wake up with scratches and bruises on her body or be completely thrown from her bed, and on, on at least one occasion was actively choked and slapped around by an unseen force in full view of witnesses, who were often themselves not immune to these outbursts. Perhaps the scariest incident happened when Diane's hair was seen to stand up as if someone were pulling and yanking on it, after which the girl was forcefully dragged up the stairs screaming. The desperate family had paranormal investigators called in, and some interesting things were found out on the history of the land that the house sat upon. For instance, investigator Tom Kuniff found that not only had the area once been the site of a battle, but also that it had once been used as the town gallows, and that hundreds of people had been executed here. In particular, there was supposedly a Cluniac monk who had met his end by hanging here, after being found guilty of raping and killing a young girl around Diane's age back in the 16th century and Kunif believed that this was the spirit haunting the home. St strangely, despite all of the intense paranormal activity that permeated this house, it would all one day suddenly cease, just as abruptly as it had started. The weeks would go on with the family bracing for the black monk to rear his sinister head yet again, but it was completely quiet for no apparent reason, as if he had just gotten bored and stopped. The Pritchards would nevertheless eventually move out, and the house would go on to be a popular destination for paranormal investigators, several of whom would apparently uncover the fact that indeed the Black Monk was still around and as active as ever, perhaps perturbed by new trespassers to his domain. A very well-known and harrowing investigation of the premises was carried out by seasoned paranormal researchers Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman of the TV series Paranormal Lockdown, who recklessly decided to actually spend a few days locked up inside of the home.
and almost as soon as the doors closed, there were purportedly strange goings-on. It started with the sense of an indefinable dread and a door being slammed shut almost immediately, which could have been attributed to a draft if it weren't for what would transpire over the next 100 hours. Groff would say of his initial impression of the house thus, and I quote, Right when we stepped on the property, it felt different. There's an energy about it. When you take a step into that location, it's haunting. It really is. Without anything really even occurring, you just feel it. You feel the energy and the sense that something is there lurking in the shadows. End quote. They would go on to be woken by slamming or banging noises in the house, and the next day they actually reached out to the entity, called it Fred, and asked if it would move a ball. Sure enough, the ball apparently began rolling across the floor of its own volition. It all almost seemed rather playful at first, but then things started to get knocked off of stands, thrown across the room, or broken, and a clock dropped off the wall. When Groff reached out to ask the spirit, do you need a lot of energy to move things? It was captured in an EVP recording saying in Latin, Desperata, meaning hopeless. On top of this, whenever the team asked the entity something, it would remain silent, but the room temperature would drop dramatically. In addition, a shadowy figure was allegedly filmed moving across a room, and the nighttime noises occurred with increased amplification. To make it all even more menacing, a knife was inexplicably left on the stairs, and the crew began to complain of being pushed or shoved by something, with the co-host Katrina actually claiming to have been held in place, attacked, and scratched. Groff would say, and I quote, We've captured this solid figure moving past one of the doors, things moving on their own. My co-host Katrina, she got scratched too at one point, so it got really scary as it escalated through our investigation of a hundred hours. When I was living there for a hundred hours, there were more, there were moments when I was terrified, like when I was sleeping and I was really deep in sleep. And anybody, I don't care how strong you are or how big you are, you will be startled in the darkness and you're all alone and something bangs really loud in the room and the door opens on its own and you see an apparition. You're going to get startled, end quote. I'm just going to say I wouldn't get startled because I would not spend 100 hours in that house. And if I spent like an hour and got like a tenth of that, I'd probably piss myself. I'm just being honest. You'd be honest too because you'd be pissing yourself too. Anyways, other researchers have had similar, similarly bizarre experiences on the property with numerous instances of the ghost's voice caught on tape and quite a few pieces of photographic evidence as well. Many of these investigators have expressed shock at the sheer magnitude of sinister paranormal activity at the residence, with some even claiming that they actually feared for their lives while there. And the black monk has earned a reputation for being one of the most violent and evil pol poltergeists around. Another pair of investigators from the TV show Ghost Dimension said, and I quote, When we arrived at the house, I had been so excited to finally be filming at 30 East Drive. I had heard so many stories about what went on here through the 60s and seen so many photos of monk-like figures. We had never experienced so many paranormal happenings going on in one place and in such quick succession. End quote. The house itself was purchased by a man named Philip Pritchard and later sold to the British advertiser and film producer Bill Bungay. 
who turned it into a sort of macabre tourist destination. He would later have the story made into the 2012 horror film When the Lights Go Out, directed by Pat Holden, and which is loosely based on the real events. The film crew apparently had quite a few paranormal experiences making the movie, which was supposedly partly filmed on location. And to this day, it has remained a hot spot for debate, discussion, and investigation. There have, of course, been plenty of allegations that this was all a hoax or a publicity stunt, and that there was never any haunting at all. However, this ignores the fact that the whole town knew of this haunting, and it was witnessed by numerous people, including neighbors, friends, police officers, and at least two priests. So concentrated was the haunting and so violent that the case of the black monk of Pontefract has gone on to become one of the most well-documented and aggressive hauntings England has ever seen, with the house this day said to be ground zero for all manner of strange happenings. Whatever's going on here, be that an expansive hoax or a very angry and vehement spirit, the case has never been solved. And with that, my darlings, we have come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on today's story and what you think. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need somebody to talk to, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note that is all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio, and you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love ya. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.